Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. Hey, I want you to imagine for a minute a man that purchases a large acreage, large parcel of land up in the mountains. Now, this location, hear me out in this. How many of you guys have been to the mountains? A few of you? Okay. A nice view of the mountains is hard to beat. So I want you to picture that this house is positioned in such a way that out one set of windows, they can see the flatness of eastern Colorado. And out of the other side, they can see Pikes Peak rising up to over 14,000 feet. And they can like sip coffee and look at either landscape. And the, the flatlands of eastern Colorado just look like they go on forever and ever and ever. And they find this piece of land. They position their house. And it's positioned in such a way that, that like the sunlight is never destroying. You guys ever have a seat in your house that like you don't sit there because of what the sun does to you when you sit there? Like we got one of those in our kitchen. It will destroy your retinas. Like, you sit right here on this end of our table next to this door, and you just want to, like, stab your eyeballs out because it's so bright. But it's positioned perfectly. And it's got, it's got all the bedrooms you can imagine. The home theater. It's got the surround sound. It's got the leather seats. It's got the bowling alley, yes, in the basement. It's got the indoor basketball court. It's got all the amenities. It's got the hot tub in the master bedroom. It's got the, the like Italian marble floor. It's just beautiful. The walls are like floor to ceiling glass. The builder spends years and years planning. In fact, the, the design was so complex that he had to get a team of architects together to make sure that it would stand up under uh, the rain and the snow and the wind. Had to make sure that it would work and everything was perfect. He spent millions and millions and millions to build this house. And it was perfect. Everything was exactly the way it should be. The doors closed perfectly. The wood was this beautiful, just perfect color of cedar. And everything was just done immaculately. And the builder looks at it, steps back. He's pleased with it. He's time to sell his house. He's like, it's time to put this house on the market. And he gets approached uh, he puts the house on the market, puts a price tag of $16.4 million on this house because I'm telling you, it's the right location, the perfect building in the perfect spot. It's on the market for $16 million and he gets a phone call. And this realtor says, hey, you have an offer on your house. And he's excited because he's like, man, I'm about, I'm about ready to cash in. And the realtor goes, well, I, I'm not sure if you're going to be pleased with what's, what the offer is. He says, well, that's okay. I'm a, I'm a grown-up. I can, I can handle it. You know, we'll, it'll be a negotiation. The realtor says the offer is $14,000. He's like, I'm sorry, what? No, your offer is $14,000. And he's like, why are you even, this is ridiculous. Why would you even entertain this offer? Could you guys imagine that? 
Because no one knows the value of that house than the builder, right? He spent multiple years carving out of the mountainside so this house could sit. He strategized how it would align on the property and poured the driveway and the foundations and all of the landscaping and everything. No one understood the value of that house better than the builder. And last week, Parker was talking about origins of life on earth. And in a similar way, you guys, the builder of what we see in creation knows the value of where we're at. Am I right? Because he is the builder. And we get into Genesis chapter 1, and it's, what's amazing to me is the power of the creator to speak creation into existence. God said, let there be light. God said, divide the waters. God said, let there be stars. Let there be a moon. Let there be a sun. God said, let there be plant life. God said, let there be animals roaming the earth. Let the waters teem with living creatures. And then something different happened. It says that God then created mankind. You see the difference? It wasn't just spoken into existence. God created mankind. In fact, I want you to read with me from Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed life into his nostrils, the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The uniqueness of mankind you guys, have, we've talked about this before, how different you are from the rest of creation. I was, just, I was just backstage looking and observing human interaction and how different it is from the rest of creation. Looking at human relationship and how it's different from the rest of creation. How many of you guys have a cat or a dog? So I'm a cat person. Everyone's going to hate me, right? You hear me talk about my cats. I love Siamese cats. One of the first things I got my wife when we got married was a little Siamese cat whose name was Bing, like the Bing candy bar. That was his name. Bing lived with us for 17 years. That's a long time. And people are going, that's why you don't get a cat. They stick around way too long. But you know what? Over the course of Bing's life, we got other cats. We got another Siamese cat named Snaps, because my wife likes licorice snaps. We got another cat, another Siamese cat named Tamale, because my wife likes hot tamales. There you go. And so over the course of getting these animals, though, Bing got old. And guess what? We had to put Bing down. He died. And this is why I bring this up. None of my other two cats ever cried over this. Dumbfounded. They had a great relationship. They, like, slept with each other every night. They hung out. They cuddle on blankets all day long. You know what I'm saying? They give each other those gross tongue baths. It seemed like that would be a pretty good friend, right? Not a single tear from those cats. They didn't miss my cat one minute. And I was just thinking about the complexities, you guys, of humankind and how different we are. And there's a catch in this where we, we find ourselves... Allowing someone other than our builder to determine our value. 
You see where I'm headed with this. We allow people, we allow articles, we allow the internet to determine our value. And this, this creates, uh, I could just imagine how God is feeling as he's looking at his creation and going, she doesn't understand what went in to creating her. There is no way that she could understand her value. Is that what she thinks she is worth? I can see, I can see God right now being, being almost offended at how we value ourselves. At the things that we think as we look in the mirror. At the things that we say about others. Maybe we're devaluing others. And God would go, they have no idea their value. And they're going to allow it to be cheapened. And we do it all the time, you guys. We like to be the ones to decide what a person is worth based on what they look like or, or which, which classes they're in or which classes they're not in or which clubs they're in or which clubs they're not in. Did they make the team? Did they get cut? Can they sing good enough? Can they play their instrument well enough? We're going to assign value. And like it or not, you cast value based on people's economic status. You cast value when you look and you go, man, you see how dirty they are? Because God is shouting, going, all human life has value. All human life has value. I have friends that are uh, in places in their life where they've, they've experienced the birth of children. And these children are small and they contribute hardly anything to society, we would think. But you know what? That life has extreme value. Before that life was even born, that life has extreme value. And that life is, is known by God. But we look at it and we assign a lesser value. Or we look at someone based on their sexual orientation, their, their gender identity, and we go, they are worth less because of this. We look at their race, we look at their intelligence, and we point fingers and we go, they are worth less. And God is going, this is ridiculous. I'm going to show them the value of all humanity. And students, Ransom made reference to this. We get to celebrate some baptisms tonight. And I was, I was thinking about this. God wanted to step out and look at you and to look at me and go, you wonder what you're worth? Let me show you what you're worth. And that is, you, students, that is the power of of the message of the cross. Is, G is God going, let me show you my son so that you can understand your true value because I am your creator. I am the one that assigns value. And so this is what God did. God looked at you and I and said, I know that you can't handle the punishment that you deserve because of the way that you live. Those things are called sins, you guys. Like there's a church word called sins. It's, it's all of the things that you do to rebel against God. God has given us free choice to choose whether we're going to love him or not. And so many of us 
chose the path of rebellion where we said, I'm going to choose to not love God. But at some point in our life, we wake up and we make a choice to turn back and say, God, I acknowledge you. God, I love you. God, I need you. And so God said, I'm going to do this. They can't handle that on their own. I need to make a way to provide peace between me and them because they are worth it. He says their value is worth it. And so here's what I'm going to do. The punishment that they deserve, I'm going to allow my son to take that punishment. Students, I have children. For some of you, I might be willing to allow my kids to die on your behalf for you to live. It breaks my heart to even think about that. But listen, for those of you that are rebellious pains in my backside on Wednesday nights, that decision gets really tough. And you know what? It's because I'm not God. God is looking at you and going, but you. I choose you. I don't care how rebellious you are. I don't care how little you care about me. I choose you and I offer my son to take the punishment in your place. Talk about value. That is a value that your culture doesn't understand. You guys have a cell phone, disposable, uh, give me like instant gratification type of viewpoint on value. God has placed deep, deep value on your life. Students, we talk a lot about the lies that you believe, the lies that people try to say about your life and what value your life does or doesn't have. True identity, true value found in Christ alone. Students, it's my heart's desire that you come face to face with this decision. Because I really want you to understand the true value that's been placed upon your life, how you have been created so different from the world around you. There's more complexity to you than a herd of cows, than a field of corn stalks. The relational depth, the hurt, the joy, the ability to be creative and, and and, and plan yourself all evidence that you're created in the image of your creator. You're not made to be like God, but you're created in God's image. The whole reason that complex cars can be built, meals can be made, surgeries can be accomplished. Are you kidding me? You don't see that happening in any other part of creation. It's because you have been made by the hands of God and his life breath was breathed into you. Why would we ever allow anyone or anything else to determine our value? Why would we dare allow that to happen? We need to walk away from the insecurities of needing to hear it from someone else. And we need to open our ears to hear it from the one true source. I've long believed that if I, 
if I'm hearing true identity and true value from the right source, it doesn't really bother me what everybody else says. It's, it's the biggest reason why I really don't care a whole lot about the things that I wear or why I shaved my head for 15 years. Hair was just an inconvenience. It didn't bother me. What are the things that are causing you to question your value? Who are the people that are speaking evil into your heart, causing you to believe something about yourself that is not true? Why are you not listening to the voice of truth? The voice of truth says this. I want you to hear from Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. I want you to see, go back just real quick. I want you to see some pieces from this that God is promising to be with you. The mighty warrior who saves, when you need a protector, he is going to be there. He takes great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. I go back to that illustration of, a, of just a baby in the arms of a parent, having done nothing to impress that parent at that point, having done nothing to earn their love. That baby has done nothing to earn that parent's loyalty. That baby has done nothing to earn that parent's protection. But this is the illustration that God uses to connect with you about what his promises are. You unite your life with him. He is a mighty warrior that will fight for you, will protect you. He will be there for you. None of your friends that are speaking evil into your life can say that, but God can. And the best part he rejoices over you with singing. Like a horrible singing parent that finds nothing but joy in this child, finds some hideous song to sing that they can't hit any of the notes, but they rejoice over that child with singing. I've been that parent with my children. I could only imagine if, if this sinful person, me, feels that way about my children, I cannot begin to imagine, students, how the God that pieced you together, pieced you together, how he feels about his glorious construction of you because he did it on purpose, that he would rejoice over you with singing, the creator of the universe, when you've done nothing to impress him, as his child, he rejoices over you with singing. Students, some of you, like these two young ladies this morning, have a decision that maybe you need to make. And maybe tonight is that night. You need to talk to your coach. Maybe you're gonna walk into that baptistry tonight. because you need to finally understand the true value that you've been given.
by the one, the only one that has the right to give your life value. God, Father, I pray over this room tonight. Father, I pray that pride would take a back seat. Father, I, I pray that students would no longer be trying to impress the people around them even just for a moment. And God, the hearts of this room would, would grow eyes to see and ears to hear you as we continue to worship, Father that they would understand the reckless way you have pursued us, the passionate way that you love us. And Father, they would respond to you. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.